Welcome to Open Plaza, created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. In this episode, Jung Mosung talks to Felipe Maya about his new book, Trading Futures, a Theological Critique of Financialized Capitalism. For more information about today's episode, visit htiopenplaza.org. Welcome everybody to the HDI Open Plaza podcast. My name is Felipe Maya and I'm the assistant professor of theology at Boston University School of Theology. And I'm the author of the book, Trading Futures, a Theological Critique of Financialized Capitalism, uh, published recently by Duke University Press. And I'm joined today by Professor Jung Mosung to talk about this book. So Professor Jung, welcome. Why don't you say a word introducing yourself? Thank you, Felipe. My name is Jun Mo Sang. In, in Korea, that would be Sang Jung Mo. <laughs> now in Brazil, I my name is Jun Mo Sung. Yeah, so I'm I was born in South Korea, and since 1966, I have living in Brazil. I'm professor at uh, Method University on uh, postgraduate uh, program in religious study. Wonderful. Yeah. So let me begin by saying a brief word, uh, summarizing the, the content of the book, and then we'll begin our conversation from there. Um, so the book plays with the double meaning of the word futures um, as the name of that which is to come. So where we deposit our hopes and expectations, but also the name of commodities that can be bought and sold in financial markets. So there's trading futures is the title of the book and plays on that double meaning uh, of the term futures. Uh, the book in the book, I'm suggesting that the multiplication of the language about futures uh, indicates that we live in a time where financial capitalism has more or less colonized our ability to hope for a future that is different from a continuation from the present. Um, so our expectations and our hopes and aspirations for the future are fundamentally shaped by financial capitalism. This is what I'm trying to suggest. So the book has two parts with three chapters each. The first part of the book, uh, offers a, an interpretation, a, a critical interpretation of our present reality, um, you know, engaging the literature about financial capitalism. And the second part of the book, which is more explicitly theological and constructive, is where I retrieve the work of some Latin American liberation theologians and uh, sources in Black study who are helping me think about the future otherwise. Um, and I closed the book with a chapter uh, called Fugitive Futures that argues that the future is somewhat like a fugitive, a runaway. Uh, so insofar as financial capitalism seeks to control, to manage, uh, to predict the future for the sake of profit, I'm suggesting that there's something about the future that escapes. And that escape, that fugitivity, is kind of the ground for me to articulate a hope, a theology that is liberating and hopeful uh, and that tries to envision the future not as a continuation with the present, but a rupture, something that can present us with the world otherwise. So that is the book in a nutshell. And with that, we will begin our conversation. Jung, over to you. 
First, I, I thank you for your book. I, I enjoyed very much. Yeah? And I want to start discussing with you about what is the relation between theology and economics? Because you said that uh, you organized the book in two parts. First, the uh, uh, critical, economical, social analysis, the capitalism, and then theology. But at the beginning, in the introduction, I think, you, says, you say, uh, liberation theology, some of liberation theology, use the concept of capitalism as a religion, yeah? and that uh, we need a theological reflection on economics. Right. Not only uh, say about something uh, from the perspective, the theological perspective or ethical Christian perspective to economy, but to see, to show that there is something within the capitalist economy that is theological. Good point. Yeah. So one of the starting points for me here. Um, so I say at some point in the introduction that I, I treat theology as critical reflection on hope. So it's a, there, there are two categories that I'm wrestling with here. One is the definition that comes from Gustavo Gutierrez of theology as critical reflection, but also the understanding that there's something about uh, theology that has to do with our hopes and aspirations, that there's something about uh, what Gutierrez later in his life used, uh, called a hermeneutics of hope. So later in his life, Gutierrez thinks of, of, of the work of theology as hermeneutics of hope. That is an interpretation of what constitutes our hopes and aspirations for the future. So treating theology as a critical in interpretation of hope is how I approach the work of theology. So I'm suggesting that capitalism in its financialized version uh, in, the more, in the more recent decades has produced its own vision of, for the future. And therefore, that is engaging, that capitalism is therefore engaging in some form of theological uh, nature, that it has its own theology by virtue of its proclivity, its inclination towards shaping what the future is. So that's how I'm treating theology. So that's how I'm defining theology, the work of theology in the beginning of the book, and how I treat the religious aspect of capitalism, mm -hmm. its ability to shape our very understandings and hopes and aspirations for the future. Yeah. In your conversation with, uh, with uh, authors from liberation, Latin American liberation theology like Hickelander and Asman, uh, you, you use the very important concept of idolatry. Yeah, that's uh, modernity is not a secularized world or society but an idolatrous society or culture. I think that is another concept that we should uh, develop here. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for, for the listeners, um, you should know that the big part of this book emerges out of my conversations with Professor Jung. So the conversation that you're listening now and the, the result of which is my book emerged in this early conversations that Jung and I had way back when, when I was still in Brazil, this was 2008. And Jung is the one that introduced me to Francine Kilmer, who is a, a key figure for this book. Uh, so for liberation theology, the central problem of theology is not whether God exists or, or doesn't, 
but it's whether our images of the divine are life-giving or death-dealing, right? So idolatry emerges as this central category uh, because the, the theological task is to discern who the God of life is and what images of God are life-giving. Uh, so I'm suggesting, I think, in the book that there are images of the future that likewise are idolatrous in the mm -hmm. sense that they demand sacrifices, that they demand suffering in the present and justify suffering in the present. And, and there are plenty of those images in the literature, uh, on kind of pro-capitalist literature that suggests that they're, you know, for the sake of a future of economic prosperity, one must sacrifice in the present, that there are some cuts that need to be made to social spending and investment, that are cuts that need to be made to wages and benefits for workers, always for the sake of that future economic mm -hmm. prosperity. Uh, so in one of the chapters, I'm reading closely the work of Franz Hinkelemert, German-born Latin American thinker, who, who makes that argument with his critique of utopia, suggesting that there, are, there is in economic theory this disposition towards presenting goals that are uh, not achievable and yet that function to justify suffering in the present. So uh, I'm, that's where I'm coming from and Jung can, can build on that and respond to that, but that's the analysis that I'm providing in the second half of the book, which is suggesting that there are certain visions of the future under financial capitalism that are idolatrous. And I think this concept of idolatry and sacrifice is important to discuss not in your book, but in terms of religious studies and theology. Because usually people thinking, think that religion is something good and some essential concept or essential part of the religion has to do with sacrifice. Sacrifice is something that is, is part of the religion. And your critique, although Hinkilam and all these guys, uh, critique, critique to this concept of sacrifice, change the perspective. Then we think a study about religion and theology. Yeah? And I was thinking in terms of what God, Jesus said, uh, God demands mercy, not sacrifice. This is the, the key distinction about some good religion and bad religion. What, what do you think yeah. about that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think it changes completely how we understand religion and the mm -hmm. Christian faith in particular. Uh, so it's a completely different starting point of, for the study of religion. You know, when you start from the perspective that what constitutes religion is not sacrifice, uh, or even sometimes the rejection to sacrifice, right? That, that, that the fundamental ethical, religious, theological principle of a religious tradition such as Christianity is the rejection that God or any deity or anything that is holy demands something that is, you know, to be sacrificed, something mm -hmm. that there is something meaningful about the suffering that happens in the present that leads to some form of divine favor in the future. So I think you could say that uh, not religious per se is against all favor of the sacrifice, but is ambiguity of the religion 
an experience of faith. And we have uh, among the Christian tradition, uh, some sacrificial perspective. And we have another perspective from the merciful God. Mm -hmm. And so you can distinguish uh, which kind. I used to, to talk with students, the uh, spirit, okay, but since that there is Holy Spirit, is bad spirit. So you have to distinguish what is yeah. Holy Spirit and what is the spirit of the world, can I say, in terms of the Bible. Outline, yeah. 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 Which is why I think the language that I used before of discernment, you know, discerning the spirit mm -hmm. would be yeah, the, the yeah. biblical reference there, right? Yeah. And, and uh, which is very different than uh, if you engage theologically with capitalism. Because um, oftentimes the literature has the understanding or begins with the understanding that Christianity or some religious tradition has the answer and capitalism is a threat to that religious tradition and therefore you need to resist capitalism by emphasizing your religious tradition or a particular idea. I, I think from what you're saying, Jung, our position is not that is not that type of a position because the very understanding that is given to us about Christianity has been impacted by capitalism. Mm -hmm. uh, so our understanding of who, who God is, what God's mercy is, what sacrifices are, yeah. uh, have been already impacted. So the task is not to juxtapose capitalism with a glorious Christianity or any other religious tradition that has the answers, but actually to critically engage capitalism uh, and critically engage the Christian tradition in order to discern what images of, of God are life-giving. Yeah. And other concept that I like very much in your book is about a future and more than future, this discussion about hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your uh, many, as a two, three uh, chapter discussing about, uh, I think use the concept of utopia, utopia, critical reason of utopia, but other from not from the liberation perspective, but other uh, critical th thinker from theology, the, uh, the many uh, group about hope. So reading your book, I was thinking, okay, hermeneutic of hope, okay, is nice, but hope. Where come from or the, 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 the source, the, the beginning of the hope comes from where? Because yeah. my English is not where come from. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, what's the source of our hope, right? Yeah. yeah, it's only from language, from the poetry. So, Ruben uh, Alves is a very important uh, thinker. And sometimes I used to think, oh, too much poetry. So, there's no Praxis. Yeah. Yeah. What do you yeah. think about that? Uh, we, we might think slightly different there. Right, so I, this is maybe not, it's not a disagreement. It's just like, I do not oppose praxis with poesis, which mm -hmm. is like world creation through language. Um, that's how I think that Huben Alves, the author that is important for me in the fifth chapter, mm -hmm. That's how I think he believes theology should work as, you know, language about God that creates worlds. Uh, so I, I'm not in the book trying to say that it's one or the other, yeah. uh, because I think in praxis, words are created and new meanings are shaped by words. 
So it, for Elvis, the source of hope, in a sense, is the suffering body, is the body in pain. Uh, yeah. So uh, when he, you know, uh, reflects on that famous line from Marx that says that religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, yeah. um, that sigh, you know, that whisper, that, you know, shout of pain for Elvis is what constitutes hope. It, so it emerges as this, this shout of pain basically and that's a source of her hope yeah i'm not saying that your book has probably this solution yeah, because you don't have a solution yet yeah i agree but uh i think not only from the pain of the body but not individual body but in the community so yeah. it's it's a size of not the one individual suffering, but the community that's suffering. Yeah. Yeah, and, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And in this experience of the community has kind of the practic practical experience. Then from that, we need to create some new language, new poetry, more imagination. So I I, uh, I like it's important the notion of the imagination you know, yes. from the from the poor people from the victims of the history, but this imagination comes after the experience of community. That's my point. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Maybe I'm not putting it as a sequence like after, yeah. but it's it emerges out of it because for yeah. Elvis. The, the, the cry of oppression is already yeah. creative in it's, a sense yeah. because it's it's an indictment. It is a resistance towards the causes of suffering yeah. and already the beginning of the creation of something else, right? Yeah. Um, so he used the language of an orchestra, right? So you, yeah. the, the, the communal aspect of suffering, the yeah. social dimension of suffering yeah. which you're referring to, like that it's never just the suffering of one person. All suffering yeah. is socially constructed, right? Yeah. Uh, so there is, you know, suffering that is tragedy suffering that mm. is suffered by the individual undoubtedly but for alves and i think for for us in the tradition of liberation theology mm. suffering is always constituted in social yeah. like in in society mm -hmm. and has social implications so the same way that the that suffering is social mm -hmm. hope is also socially produced uh that's I, so I'm using this language throughout the book of the production of hope, right? The, yeah. So I, I'm not claiming that hope emerges out of nowhere uh, because someone had uh, an enlightenment experience and has mm -hmm. envisioned the yeah. future. That's mm -hmm. absolutely what I'm not suggesting. Mm -hmm. But I am suggesting that hope is somehow socially produced. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and the conditions of possibility of that social production is attention to social suffering. Gustavo Gutierrez and Wasson and others in the beginning of the liberation, Latin American liberation theology, talk about liberation theology is a critical reflection on praxis. Correct. And the discussion of the hermeneutical of hope, the hope is part of the praxis, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that is, so I think uh, since that in at the beginning of the liberation theology, and maybe it's still. Uh, there are too much rational perspective in the liberation theology. That, and so uh, Gustavo is trying to say, oh, more than reason, 
rationality, you have hope in something more is different. That, that, in this sense, I like this notion of the uh, hermeneutic of hope, but not individual hope. Correct. Yeah? Hope that is among the, 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 in the process of the, the practice of the community. Yeah. I, 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 there is, a, I'm, in producing this book, I, I had to read a lot of people who are against the language of hope. Because there is, in especially radical thinkers, uh, people who are certainly not uh, conservative authors, who think that the language of hope is, uh, like they say in the United States, pie in the sky, right? That is, is like a, a vain promise, and that is not helping us act in the present. It's kind of a way of letting go or rejecting action in the present, transformative action in the present. And I, I fundamentally agree with that claim. But I'm trying to suggest that there is forms of hope that emerge through social engagement. So I'm not creating this you know, opposition between action in the present and hope for the future. Rather, I'm suggesting that in the moment, there, in the moment of action, of transformative action, there is always this necessary surplus, this extra mm -hmm. that emerges and points us in a direction of the future otherwise, without any assurances that we will achieve it, but nevertheless, that keeps us uh, in the struggle, that keeps us acting in the present. Uh, so that, it, like the critique of hope, of the language of hope is important for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's in many ways the starting point of, of this analysis. But I'm not stopping there. Uh, I'm sort of in interested in how is it that different modes of social action in the present engender hope, create the possibility of hope. Especially in a context that thinks of itself as neoliberalism and financialized, yeah. financialized capitalism think of itself as having no alternatives. So yeah. in this sense, for me, the, the very fact of, that one can claim that there is an alternative is that poetic and political act of saying this is not enough. Yeah, I think we cannot understand what's happening in the present without some vision of the future. That is what Hinkley, let me talk about uh, critique That's of right. the, uh, re, uh, utopian religion, re, reason. Yeah? We need, uh, in understand what is something, we need to understand from the perspective of the, uh, his thought about the transcendental concept, what is the perfect. Yeah? Hinkley yeah. distinguish two kinds of the metaphysics. Metaphysics of the being, that is was uh, Western tradition and metaphysics of action, human action or practice. So in order to, to do something to get a better life for us and for others, we need to have some kind of vision of the, what should be and what could be. Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. That is a discussion about hope and imagination. Yeah, without hope and imagination, we cannot do anything. We cannot criticize what we have now. That says, I like the, your book. Yeah? Mm -hmm. then, then comes the, the next point is after, uh, or because we can think and imagine, imagine a, a different situation, future, then can imagine today and in a different perspective, what's happening now. Uh, what is the way to go? Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. What is the strategical perspective yeah. or strategical action? Mm -hmm. That is sometimes, I think, too much poetry 
doesn't help. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I see the critique. And does yeah. this book, I, I, I will confess, it, it does not offer strategic goals. Uh, it does not have uh, uh, an agenda for action. It does not have policy outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree with that. And, and I, again, insist that there is in creative language, in sure, theology, yeah. as there, there are things that emerge. And I think what I wanted to, to my intervention in the book would, would mm -hmm. be to stop there, to say that yeah, yeah. there is creative action that can emerge out of uh, close readings of texts, of poetic imagination. Yeah. Um, so that's where I stop at. And it's yeah. it, it can be one of the, it's certainly, it's not, I do not promise that the book will offer what the alternative yeah, is. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I, I confess that I don't know what it is. And I, I feel like insofar, even though we should have a vision of the future, I'm always uh, careful with prescription, with prescriptive visions of the future. I want that vision to keep uh, itself being very fluid. And I think that's what I learned from Hinka Lummert. Yeah. The, the, uh, uh, the, the utopian vision, the vision of the, of the reign of God or whatever that is, is a signpost. It's something that points us in a direction. Yeah. It's not yeah. our destination. We don't know yeah. what the destination yeah. is. So it is only by working yeah. that we will and eventually achieve whatever that is. So, I like it. The, first, you cannot, no one can uh, write a book that's Solve everything of the world. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, of course. That would be idolatry, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then, but something good that I like in your book is is a critical theology, but is very not what should be, but analyzing what's happening in the world, and not in terms only in terms of identity or problem of the gender. No, we have something more. I don't know say it's much more profound or my, or I don't know what, how to explain that, much to say that we have something that we need to discuss, the notion of the time, the future, right. yeah, and hope. And this is captivated or the financial captains took, take over, took over this discussion. We don't discuss about that. Yep. Yeah. You're so right about we, it. Yeah. 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 So go ahead. Now, yeah, that's this. So we need to discuss capitalist problem question, not because from liberation theology, but become Marx. No, because this is the fundamental structure of the society. That is capitalist society. Correct. Yeah. And thank you for that. And uh, I'll give an example that is very important to me and is uh, very close to my work in theological education is the question of student debt, mm -hmm. right? So that is a very important theme in this book uh, because it has to do, it's, it, it's all about the future, right? Uh, yeah. you, you buy, you, you, you go out to the bank today, ask for some money as a loan so that you can go to college or to seminary. Uh, and the idea is that you will eventually pay back the bank with interest in the future. Uh, so I'm describing in the book, and I think I'm not alone. This is I'm using data from economists, from sociologists, from, from the social sciences that are saying that over the past four or five decades, the amount of debt that 
both consumers and societies have has skyrocketed. Um, so today I'm dealing with first year master's students who are coming to grad school after finishing up their uh, undergraduate degrees. And they are like in their mid twenties and they are $25,000, $30,000 in debt. At the beginning of their professional mm. careers, they are already owing the bank $30,000. So how does one envision a future for that person, right? Uh, So here's a a very simple example, but also very profound and common example of how financial capitalism is shaping our very ability to hope. A person who is at 23 years old and with a debt, a student debt at $30,000, this person will have a hard time for example, coming into ministry, right? Yeah. And receiving very low payment and compensation for the work in ministry or in social work or in activism or in any other nonprofit organization where the salary and wages are minimum. So the invitation for that person to work for a large corporation that pays a better salary is enormous. And yeah. here's a way in which the system reproduces mm-hmm. itself. Right, you keep reproducing itself because there is no alternative that alternative that is given to people to think of a, a different way of living together. We are living in society, in economy that without a good college and postgraduate experience, yep. school, you can have a good job. And since that, it's always oh, United States basically uh, private, private, private. Yeah. So there is no a way to s- solution. In Europe, I'm thinking in, term, in terms of Korea, that's not uh, socialist, it's South Korea, yeah? But uh, the state give help for the student when he go to the college, that's okay. a subsidy, yeah? Mm-hmm. And so then we need to discuss about the, the role of the state Mm-hmm. and public uh, budget in terms sure. of the future of the society. Yeah. So this American way of uh, neoliberal way of thinking, everything must be private. Yeah. So there's no solution for the society, even Correct. for the economy. Yeah, yeah. So this is a key, a key example of how yeah. investment in education is not perceived as a common good that yeah. the state should sponsor, but it's yeah. all about the private enterprise. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and neoliberalism then builds its profit out of, of that process. And um, the way in which debt has become a major factor in the economy mm-hmm. is completely related to that, uh, to the fact that many public goods are now understood as private, you know. So yeah. in the United States, and I think this is true for us in Brazil as well, yeah. there's a growing number of people who are in debt because of medical expenses. Yeah. So like people who have no uh, health insurance and need you know, procedures in hospital uh, need treatment and need to, you know, borrow money for their yeah. own health. Um, yeah. So, yeah. In Brazil, uh, we have a bad situation because we have some, not so yeah. good, but there is a public uh, system for, in terms of health. Yeah. yeah. I thought of Brazil because there is currently public cuts being yeah, yeah. forced so, in, yeah. in health in, in yeah, health. This is a, um, this is a public uh, political struggle that there's a neoliberal guys and let 
privatize and exactly. left wing softly or soft certainly uh center left people that know you have to there is the, the sense the meaning of the common good sure yeah then yeah. i think it is important the discussion about neoliberal or neoliberalism that you put in your book yeah so mm -hmm. i think it's important to discuss uh, the 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 uh, the change from this liberal social democratic uh, capitalism that there's they have some kind of the common good sure like a european capitalism and neoliberal capitalism that there is no private uh, there's no the notion of common good is evil that for them that is yeah correct so the, yeah this is important theological discussion yeah because any figure um that represents uh, a group of people say a government a party under neoliberal reason is perceived as a, a an encroachment on individual freedom right yeah. so uh, every kind of arrangement if it's a labor union if it's uh you know the government it if if it's anything that exists as a collective presents a threat to individual freedoms yeah. right so i think the 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 what you said about the tensions between neoliberalism and state capitalism or social democracies for lack of a better term that's the origins of the dispute there right yeah. so when Kane, when you know you have Keynes on the one side okay. representing you know a strong government and how the importance of social institutions to provide you know economic support mm -hmm. for prosperity on the one hand and on the other hand you have the rising neoliberal consensus in the 1950s that is prescribing the bare minimum forms of social arrangement for yeah. the sake of this vision of you know free enterprise uh, individual enterprise that this is what generates prosperity yeah. you know and the more social collective action you have the less free individuals will be and therefore there's less innovation less prosperity less economic growth so in terms of theological discussion, the, the, the notion of the pool. In the past, or 1950-67, church used to think, okay, we are a rich church, but we need to we need help the poor yeah. people. And I I I'm I'm not I as can a church can say. I'm against liberation theology, but we need to do something because it's bad. The Bible says we need to take care of the poor people. Yeah. Nowadays, poor people are not ob uh, object of the caring. Uh, uh, poor people are seen as a sinner who deserve yeah. go to hell. Mm -hmm. So we have changed theological and socially. The yeah. notion of the how we see the poor people. Correct. Yeah. And I think one of the on the other side of that spectrum is the idea of the self, the entrepreneur, right? Yeah. The, the person who who um who grows by the virtues of their own work. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is impoverished, that person is to blame, right? So yeah. so the blaming of the victim is important. Yeah. And when I write about debt, I think this is even more interesting or more visible 
because a person who is in debt is always perceived as guilty of something, right? The Germans yeah, yeah. have the same word for guilt and debt. Mm. And Nietzsche wrote about this back in yeah. the 1800s. So that if someone, the, the presumption is if someone is in debt, that person is guilty. So yeah. that person bought more than they could. They made promises that were not real. And so they are to blame for their own misery and suffering. Yeah. So I, I think that this way of blaming the poor, right, yeah. this um, turning poverty into a sinful category yeah. is connected to the, to the rise of this financialized capitalism that blames people for their misfortunes, for their debts. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and makes people guilty. Um, yeah. And at the same time, uh, makes them responsible, like makes them responsible for their own misery. And at the same time, does not give them any type of support or social. Yeah. Because they networking. don't deserve support. They don't deserve, exactly. They, deserve, they are yeah, to blame. They are yeah, yeah. worthless. Yeah. And them said, God, think like it that you have to die, you have to sacrifice, you, you need yeah. you sacrifice in order for the other uh, deserving people. So Correct. that is, this is not only economical discussion or ideological discussion, this is theological discussion. It is. Which kind of the God you are believing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that is theological discussion. It is, yeah. And what do we owe to each other? That's an important question that he really, yeah. like, what are the, how do we establish uh, connections and with others has yeah. the so the language of debt and owing yeah. other like i owe everything to my mother who yeah. bore me for example right so there's always a language of debt yeah. connected to that um you know to our social bonds to our social yeah. connections and i'm i think that that important language of bonding with others and owing my life to others and owing you know my affection to towards other who i whom i love and i are important for me this language is lost to us now because yeah. uh, the language of debt under financial capitalism yeah. is so consuming that so, we we only owe each other our debts basically yeah. to pay our debt and the notion that god is merciful that god forgive our death yeah and that's important so uh, the most important theological concept, I think, is merciful God. Mm -hmm. God doesn't ask, don't, uh, don't ask you to pay our debt because God is merciful, forgive us. So yeah. that is, uh, in terms of so, uh, social perspective, it is since that God is merciful and forgive us, everyone, you know, and anyone can recreate themselves as a person. Yeah. The, the, the rule of the state and society in forgiving each other and helping them, all people to, to help each other. This yeah. is a theological perspective that I think, yeah, the, the terms of where I'm going to, we have, you believe in the future God of the, the a kind of God, the future, the new, different future, then because of that, we look for, you are struggling for a different society and new different institution where the state has a very important role of to creation of the new possibility for life. Correct. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm also hopeful, perhaps mm -hmm. would be the term here, uh, for social arrangements that happen not outside the state, but, you know, not necessarily, I'm not depositing a great deal of hope for the state, even though I think that this conversation about the need to, mm -hmm. to have state intervention is important. But I'm also thinking of our more local kind of forms of solidarity and social bonds between people that are challenging the logic of neoliberalism, including logics of debt, uh, you know, so movements for debt abolition uh, are important to me, I believe, you know, to strike student debt. These are uh, not solutions, but I think hopeful kind of signs that people are reacting in, yeah, in very- Yeah, I think we need to uh, work with market, state, and social, civil, civil social organizations. Movements, yeah. Yeah, yeah, then this process. In this, your struggle for forgiveness, forgiving the, Debt, student debt. Yeah, how can you get this? In, at the at the end of the process, you need a state. Correct. Because you yeah. have you have you have a different budget, new different new laws. Because you cannot solve individual problem when you have the, all ninety percent of the population has problem with debt. Correct. In this circle yeah. of the yeah, but. I, I think I agree with that. I, I'm just depositing my hope, not in the state intervention, but in the pressure that would emerge from the bottom up and eventually reshape, right? Because uh, the very understanding of the state that we have is one where I think has been deeply impacted by neoliberalism. So the idea of the state intervening in forgiving student debt, this is in the United States, is a very lively question because yeah. the economists are saying this is bad for the economy. It will create a moral bad precedent you know because yeah. now everyone will be ruthless and uh in their spending because now they will know that the state will eventually forgive their debts and they will become you know uh irresponsible yeah. uh, so i'm thinking here as a bottom-up approach that could eventually lead to policy changes but i'm, yeah. I'm like i'm my the the, the source of my hope Right. Okay. So go back to yeah. your initial question. Yeah. Is the organizing, is the mobilization yeah, no, of people sure. who are saying, no, no, I'm not my debt. I am, you know, uh, I don't owe anything to, to the bank. Uh, I, so, so that's, those are some of the statements that I, I think I'm, I'm hopeful for. Yeah, yeah. But uh, since that we are not in terms of the individual problem, but we have a structural pr Absolutely. problem of debt. Yeah. Correct. You yeah. need a structural regime, uh, re yeah. re Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the problem. Uh, uh, neoliberalism, neoliberalism was created by political action, not the something that this in yeah. the origin of neoliberalism was uh, is a political action that changed and imposed neoliberalism in the society. <laughs> yeah, in government, right? In like, government, in yeah, yeah, they Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, for. The thing in the government, this central state government, that uh, changed the laws and this uh, the tax system. So that's important issue. And tax was changed. Taxes was changed. The thing, the Congress and the president. Yeah, and I think the example of Chile, which is very important yeah. for the moment for us, is yeah. the key there, right? Because it. 
it was introduced, uh, neoliberal policies were mm -hmm. introduced under By... totalitarian dictatorial regime yeah. under Pinochet. Uh, so that's the, uh, I think the, the contradiction, but also an important site for us to observe mm -hmm. where neoliberal policies, even though they uh, advertise individual freedom um, and the role of markets in conducting the economy, there is mm -hmm. always a role for the state. Yeah. This is not an anti-state mm -hmm. doctrine or policy or economic theory, uh, but I'm intrigued by what the role of the state is. So yeah. there's always yeah. language about the importance of the military, enforcement of uh, you know, property right laws, other forms of laws that are necessary for this type of economy mm -hmm. and market to function. So uh, I'm not naive that neoliberalism is against the state. I think mm -hmm. this would be an incorrect and naive interpretation. Mm -hmm. But it is intriguing how it is that the state becomes useful, right, yeah. or necessary uh, under the neoliberal type of governance. Yeah. So and then we need to discuss in order to talk about hope for who and the victims of the history. We need to come back to discuss about market economy, state, uh, social movement. Yeah, that is the discussion of the practice that we're talking is. about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And again, as I said before, I I, I tend to deposit my hopes in the social movements. And mm -hmm. I see the architecture of our political arrangements as secondary, not because they're unimportant, but I, I want to prioritize the movements that are emerging and allow them to shape what I perceive mm -hmm. as the, the way that we could arrange society. And, and I'm, you know... Also, also thinking with some of the social movements in Latin America who, who are thinking of the multiple societies, the multiple yeah. worlds that we could live in, not a single yeah. uh, recipe that would work for everybody. Uh, but there, there might be, my hope perhaps is that there is a world in which many worlds are possible to use the slogan it, of those movements. Yeah, because the modern state, or this notion of the modern state doesn't work anymore. Is no longer working. And uh, neoliberal states is not possible. It doesn't work for because it's not good for in terms of the environment, in terms of the social relationship. So yeah. we need creates. So we are living in a time that we are having uh, witness a new kind of technology. Yeah. And sometimes we need the need to new kind of the state and the economy. And this is very yeah. difficult it, it, to it is, Yeah, it's very difficult. And there is a vacuum right now. And yeah. I, I see the, the rise of right-wing uh, mm -hmm. neo-fascist regimes across the world, right? As yeah. a global wave, as like trying to fill that void, right? Yeah. 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 So there is, I think, a sense, right, of that this neoliberal experiment is not working yeah. Yeah. Uh, or that it's kind of collapsing. And one of the responses that is emerging is this retrieval of the strong figure of the leader, the strong yeah. figure of the nation. So Christian nationalism is exploding across the globe. Other forms of nationalism yeah. that are religiously uh, impacted are also exploding. Uh, so it, it is a moment of grave crises. Uh, yeah. And I'm, for me, one of the root causes of it is this economic collapse that we're now in since the financial meltdown 
of 2007 and 8. I, I don't think we have overcome that. And some of the political movements that we're witnessing today are, in my view, responses or um, outcomes of that financial crisis that, you know, honestly gave birth to this project. Yeah, I was very impacted by the financial collapse of the banks uh, in 2007 and 8. And that's the one of the origins of this book. Yeah, and you are part of the new generation of theologian discussing. Yeah, coming back to discuss about economy, uh, yeah. uh, social movement. Yeah, I think he, uh, you are over you are overcoming this sense, the, the the moment that no, we don't discuss about the, the structural problem. in only small. Yeah. It, no, it doesn't work. Yeah, the, the world is changing. I agree. Yeah, mm. we we need structural discussions. Like the yeah. the problem. The problems are structural. I, I don't think yeah. no one ever denied that, yeah. but there was a kind of a, a certain, a certain um, preoccupation of not offering grand solutions. And I, yeah. I understand that. I, I, I don't want to provide grand solutions or solutions that are all encompassing, but I do think it's time for us to go back and be like readers of the structures of society, yeah. which is why in my this book, I'm retrieving Francine Kilmert and Hubin mm -hmm. Alves, who I think yeah. are earlier version uh, figures in liberation theology, yeah. who certainly in the English speaking world are not well read, are not well recognized. So I'm trying to. And, and you know, the problem is that they were not translated. They're not now. Yeah, only are, Spanish and Portuguese. No, yeah. So there are more books from Alves published in English. Yeah. But still, it's not, uh, yeah. it's only a fraction of his work. Mm -hmm. And for Hinky Lummert, it's ridiculous. And there's nothing, uh, there are like two or three books and mm -hmm. a couple of articles of him in English. Um, so uh, the other hope of this book is to mm -hmm. introduce to yeah. an English speaking audience these two authors that are very influential. Um, and I think are authors that still have something to say about our present reality, even yeah. though they were responding when they were writing, starting in the 70s with Inke Lummert when he mm -hmm. sort of transitions to theology, he is responding to a very different context, including uh, a context, uh, an economic context that is very different from ours today. But I think that there was something about his insight about capitalism mm -hmm. back in the, in the 1970s and early that applies to the context of financialized mm -hmm. capitalism. So that's how I read him and I'm trying to kind of stretch him and bring us to bring him to uh, respond to dynamics that are peculiar to our time. Jung, thank you. Oh, this thank has been a great conversation. Invitation. Yeah. For all of you who are listening to this, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's been great talking about this book, Trading Futures. Uh, again, it's published by Duke University Press. You can find it online. Uh, Jung, once again, thank you for your presence. And to all of you out there, thank you and have a good one. This has been an HTI production. For more information, visit us at htiopenplaza.org. The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides Open Plaza as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own. Their appearance on this program or any reference to a specific product or entity they represent does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.